0: Chapter Thirteen of the Land of Frozen Suns. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Land of Frozen Suns by Bertrand W. Sinclair, Chapter Thirteen, A Foretaste of Strong Measures. Thus thrown upon my own resources, I betook myself to the roomy cabin where the cook reigned supreme thence with breakfast disposed of to the store i found there a small bewhiskered man bowed over a ledger and a dozen husky packers stowing goods on the shelves the clerical person gazed at me over a pair of steel-rimmed spectacles in a colorless uninterested sort of way i took him to be the bookkeeping machine of the concern and such proved to be the case and when i asked for george prudently refraining from mention of surnames he told me primly that mr barreau had gone up the river leaving word that i was to make myself at home in the meantime having delivered himself of this message he resumed his task so i continued my round of the post until i located old ben wise what between chatting with ben and sundry games of seven-up with one or two of the others whom I knew and long spells of sitting alone in the cabin smoking over the fire i managed to murder time for three days at the end of which period barreau returned he did not come alone but at the head of a veritable flotilla of birch-bark canoes laden with a picturesque mixture of indians squaws round-faced papooses sharp-nosed dogs and the household goods pertaining to these by the appearance of things i inferred he had been out to jog up the natives who had signified willingness to trade with the house of montell they beached the canoes and pitched their lodgings along the river bank a little way from the stockade in the two hours of daylight following the arrival of the vanguard other little parties came slipping quietly around the curve of the sicani pitched their camps and set about cooking food the flat was speckled with twinkling dots of fire when dark vanquished the long twilight barreau was tired and had little to tell i had come by a new deck of cards through favor of the colorless mr cullen and we played a silent game or two of euchre that night before turning in. By dawn we had breakfasted and were at the store, and the copper-skinned men of the lodges began to come in and cast their eyes upon such things as they desired. All forenoon I watched the silent outfitting of the hunters, saw this one and that stand wrapped to the ears in this gaudy blanket seeming not to see or to be conscious of aught that transpired then of a sudden he would point abruptly at a certain article a trap or two maybe a caddy of tea a flask of powder and emit a guttural sound that barreau interpreted to cullen who would solemnly make an entry in his notebook when the red brother had reached his trading limit his squaw took the burden of his purchases on her back and he strode forth wrapped in a dignity even more striking than his blanket she following meekly at his heels how do you manage to keep track of them all i asked barreau as we sat at dinner suppose these indians that you outfit now don't show up again can you trust them so absolutely for my part i can hardly tell one from another you'd find out that they have distinct individual characteristics barrow replied if you were with them long i know most of these fellows well enough to pick them out of a crowd in fact a good many of them won't trade except with me which is one strong hold i have over my slippery partner and so far as trusting them an indian's word is good as gold for every dollar's worth of stuff we let them have this fall they'll bring ten dollars worth of pelts next spring unless it is an extraordinary winter anyway we don't stand to lose a great deal on what we trust them for where we will make money will be in the spring trade they'll have plenty of furs left after their debt is paid and they'll want guns and more powder, flour and tea for the summer, tobacco and clothes and goo for the women and papooses. If the winter is normal, we're going to have a big trade, bigger than even I thought. I wouldn't mind, he concluded with a short laugh, if Montell had to go clear to Benton and got snowed in there. That would eliminate one dangerous factor but that's too much to hope for it's a long trip i reflected he can't get to the Missouri in time to send his daughter down on the last boat even the river will freeze any day now benton would be a dreary place for her to stay alone i should think he may stay there with her not likely barreau contended as it happens she knows one or two rather nice families who are wintering at Benton and she'll be apt to stay with them. He has been altogether too keen to have his finger in his winter's pie when it wasn't needed there. No, the old fox has something up his sleeve, something that he's been leading up to ever since we left Benton. He'll be back if he has to come on his hands and knees. Barreau was right. Montell did come back, and the date of his return was only something more than forty-eight hours from the time of that conversation. We were stretched upon our respective bunks, I listening to Barreau's talk of long-dead traders who had undertaken to buck the Hudson's Bay Company, when someone tapped on the door, and at Barreau's laconic, Come in, who but Montell himself should enter he shut the door carefully behind him and waddled to a seat barreau raised on one elbow you he said sharply back here already what has happened now montell took off his hat and threw it petulantly on the floor the expression on his face was sour as curdled milk we couldn't make it that's all he growled I guess the HBC's c's gettin busy all at once, anyhow, we got headed off how Barreau demanded Montell flung out his hands expressively, easiest way in the world. He sputtered wrathfully, some feller with a good eye just trailed us up and killed off our stock, shot him one by one. Finally, he was afoot, so we turned back. Couldn't walk clear to cloud Damn him anyway. No one hurt? Barreau asked quietly. Barrin blistered feet, no. Montell snapped. His gaze involuntarily traveled to his own broad shapeless feet, and a smile flickered across Barreau's countenance. There was a momentary lull. What are you going to do now? barreau inquired next i'm going to take eight men by god and a string of mules and hit in the morning montell exploded i ain't going to have that girl winter here if i know it and i ain't going to be headed off from nothin by the hudson's bay or any other damned outfit i'll show them bushwhackin parties a trick or two They'll find old Montell ain't so slow. i just come over here to let you know I was back, George, so you wouldn't be getting into the foreground tomorrow morning when we're fixin' to start. You might just as well be accommodating. Oh, to be sure. As a favor from one gentleman to another, Barrow observed sarcastically, anything to oblige. But if I were you i should not try it again not till you can take the outfit lock stock and barrel you may find it only a waste of mules if not worse evidently the company is minded to pen the lot of us here and teach us a lesson just so the girl's out of it montell muttered defiantly they got my permission to go ahead with their teachin we've held our own for quite a spell "'But I got to get her clear, so I'm going to tackle it again.' "'Very well,' Barrow said indifferently. "'But you had better take a few pair of snowshoes. You may need them.' "'Maybe so,' Montell returned. "'But I bet I get a scalp or two if they go to setting us afoot this trip.' And he gathered up his hat and left the cabin barreau lay back in his bed a long time without remark then he said aloud apropos of nothing in particular i shouldn't be surprised if that was the way of it i looked over at him and catching my interrogative gaze he went on i've simply been doing a bit of inductive reasoning taking things as they are in this country what more natural than that the hudson's bay company should have become alarmed lest we got into a formidable competitor and have simply made up their minds that we must be ousted by hook or by crook they have a way of keeping posted you know i shouldn't be surprised if one or two of the men in our payroll were company spotters here is montell and his daughter and myself They might reason that by driving him back and intimidating him, forcing him to winter here, and then harassing us in every conceivable way till spring, they may make us glad to quit. For instance, they could try to kill off our stock and poison our dogs. And if there was a chance to burn us out, why, that would be the finishing touch. I shouldn't be surprised if that is their scheme and then along in the winter they might even go so far as to have the mounted police pull one chestnut out of the fire for them by revealing my whereabouts how does it come i asked in some surprise that they haven't done that before if they know that george barreau their fur trader is slowfoot george of the MacLeod country for the very good reason that they want no mounted policemen in this neck of the woods, he said decidedly. They don't want to establish a precedent. They have lorded it in the North for generations, and so long as they continue to do so, the Canadian government will permit it. Once the police begin to come here, the company authority is at an end. Also their monopoly. For a mounted police post up here would mean open country and a swarm of free traders. Of course what I said is mere theory, but I might be on the right track. If I am, we may look for merry times here this winter, and you and I may have to take to the deep snows before spring. Suppose, while we're theorizing, I ventured, that montell had an idea he could get along without you if he wants to settle your chances of sharing in the profits as you think why mightn't he give the police a quiet hint if he gets through i can very well imagine him doing that barreau responded thoughtfully but he can't make it go without me at least not just yet and i do not think he will get through for all his determination i kept barreau's prophecy in mind days of busy outfitting slipped by i kept no track of the hunters who indebted themselves to the post but they came and went by scores the days merged into a week and at the end of it a black ruck of clouds came scudding out of the west thick and lowering they gathered overhead. And one day at noon, while Barreau and I stood in the doorway of the store, watching a great multitude of damp snowflakes come eddying down through the still air, Montel, his daughter, and the eight men came plodding afoot to the gate of the stockade. End of chapter 13